All right, Kevin, today we are going to discuss the 2005 season, also known as the Katrina season. Um, I guess before we get started talking about the background of the Katrina season and, and where we were heading, what's your overall memory of that season, your, your takeaway from all that nonsense that was going on in 05? Well, it was just, the whole thing was surreal. Obviously, there's a lot of bitter memories. I mean, I you know, you know how I am with the Saints, so... There were a lot of people who've been Saints fans for a long time in this area who jumped ship and were went to Tiger Stadium and wore Benedict Arnold uniforms. You know, that that was just a bitter, ugly time. I, I try not to think about that. You just move past all that. But it was it was not a lot of fun. I, I can remember people asking me, You still gonna pull for the Saints? I'm like <laughs> Well, I've been doing it my whole life. Right. I think I'll do it till the day I die. I mean, the circumstances like a hurricane's not going to change yeah. something because the team is bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how many times have we said, though, that whole season that you're talking about, how many times have we said, other than the Katrina season, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like the Saints haven't lost, haven't won fewer than seven games other than the Katrina season right. since Dicka was the coach. And so it, it's just like this big – asterisk season and it's amazing how many of the saints have had like that we had bounty gate and yeah you know all these weird seasons and then the pandemic for everyone but the uh but no it's it's just the whole thing was surreal now it set up some you know a really cool 2006 season right with so many great things sure but um uh, but no in and of itself it was just so bizarre and bitter it was kind of like it was the one year where they were really bad, where you could only get so mad at them. Like, you had to know how miserable they were. Right. We all, I mean, everybody in that yes. whole region was miserable. Definitely. Well, the Katrina season 2005 was the final season of Jim Hazlitt's era as the Saints coach. So let's kind of go through the whole Hazlitt era and, and get to 2005 and kind of why or how or how you felt about ushering out Hazlitt and bringing in the new guy who we didn't know who it was, ended up being Sean Payton, who's still here today. But we remember, of course, in 2000, the Saints bounced back from a 3-13 and year in a Ditka in 99. They won their first ever playoff game with Aaron Brooks at quarterback. Jim Hazlitt's the head coach. Hazlitt was named Coach of the Year in 2000. But by the 2005 offseason, things had begun to sour a little bit with Hazlitt at the franchise. What do you remember about going into the 05? 2004 did not actually end that bad. Right. Like, they had, they had a rough season. They were 4-8. and eight. And then they beat an 11-3 and three Falcons team late, a little bit later. They beat a Cowboys team. Uh, they beat the Buccaneers. And they got to 7-8. and eight. And if you remember, they were going into the final weekend of the regular season. In Arnoldville, both the Saints and the Arnolds were both seven and eight. The Arnolds are the Panthers, for those who don't know. Right. They were both seven and eight. So the the winner of that game would go to the playoffs if the Jets won, and the Saints game was going to be played first. And so I remember, um, you know, the Saints won the game. They went over there. Uh, Deuce ran for 140 yards. And they won the game. I mean, it was a great win. But just because, like you say, they had six sacks. They didn't, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to win the game on the road. And they went and won that game. And then, ironically, the first game of the Katrina season was back in Arnoldville. 
And so they ended 2004 with a win. Come to find out, the Saints didn't get a break, and the Jets were in great position to win the game. Mm-hmm. They didn't win the game, though, and the Saints won the, when they, they didn't make the playoffs. But at least they won that game. It was a big game, and they won it. So you knew that they had this major challenge ahead of them. They weren't at home. They weren't in the city. They were in San Antonio right. and doing all this crazy stuff. And, and you figured it would wear on them, but... You know, an optimistic guy like me, I was thinking, especially after that first game, well, maybe they could hang in there. Yeah. And 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 if you go look at all the scores, they didn't get blown out that many times that right. year. We'll we'll look at all the scores, but yeah. so they did in some ways, kind of did hang in there. They they just offensively, they just weren't very good. Right. And we'll talk about why in a little bit. Well, we'll probably we'll probably do a a deeper. Jim Hazlitt episode where we go a little bit deeper into these seasons, but let's just briefly review all of the seasons under Hazlitt. In 01, expectations were kind of high. I know you were probably thinking medicine season at the time because they had just had a pretty good 2000, but the Saints finished 7-9 and nine in 2001. The entire league had a week two bye, of course, because of 9-11, which happened in 2001, but there's a memorable game in 2001 in Saints history, of course. In week eight, the Saints are 4-2. and two. They're at home playing the Jets. But with 1.14 left in the game, the Saints were driving. They were down to the Jets' six-yard line on second and three. Aaron Brooks runs a play, scrambling to the left for a two-yard game. But after the play, Jets safety Damian Robinson grabs Brooks' face mask and pulls rather roughly. And Kyle Turley jumps on Damian Robinson. They begin fighting. Turley emerges from the scuffle with Robinson's helmet. And he tosses the helmet into the air. The Saints are hit with a penalty. Turley is ejected. The Saints lose the game. Was that a turning point of the 01 season? Well, it was definitely one of them. I was at that game, and you were just – I mean, you always knew he was a little off his rocker. But – and look, you get the whole macho, I'm defending my teammate guy. and I mean, that's great for practice. But when you're in, the, in you know, that deep in it and you have a chance to win the game, you just can't do that. No, it definitely was not good. It was a, definitely a turning point. Yeah. That was the same night that the Yankees won the World Series against the Diamondbacks. So it was a, a big sports night, and I think a lot of people were – Flipping back and forth, I, I mean, everybody remembers the Turley player. People still talk about it today. It's one of the most infamous plays in, in not only Saints history, but league history. So that was 01. The Saints ended up finishing 7-9. Uh, and nine. 2002 was a pretty miserable season. Even though it was the only other season in Hazlitt's tenure that they had a winning record, the Saints finished 9-7. and seven. They swept Tampa, who eventually won the Super Bowl that year. They looked to be heading to the playoffs at 9-4 and four, with three straight losses to Endo 2 including a loss to 1-13 Cincinnati, kept them out of the playoffs. What do you remember about O2? Well, it was just, it was the most bitter, and it led led very directly to what I was talking about with the fans in 05, with the Benedict Arnold uniforms. And, you know, around here, it was, it was big in New Orleans, but it was really big around here because Aaron Brooks got hurt, and they continued to play him. Obviously, around here, everybody wanted Jake DeLone to come in. Uh, it'll be argued about forever. By the Cincinnati game, they were awful. But in in the game before that that three game slide, I mean, Aaron played. They put up thirty something points, and Dante Culpepper beat him on a two point conversion at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't like still at that point they were putting up thirty points. I mean, they you know they weren't doing that bad offensively. But by the Bengals game, it was just they had, it was it was awful. And I remember, I don't remember what year, but back in that era, they used to do these little caravans through the air through the town. And I remember being at the Cadiana Mall, 
interviewing Jim Hazlitt. It might have been before the either the five or the the oh four oh five season. I don't know what year that would have been, but anyway, I remember interviewing him and 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 talking about that. And he looked at me, and goes, "They're still worried about like that decision." I'm like, "Oh, coach, they're gonna be worried about that for a long time." And you know, he you heard all the rumors and you know, off the field shenanigans that he was doing. And so, like you said at the very beginning, the the end was coming near. He wasn't a real PC guy. He wasn't real likable probably for a lot of people in the community. But, you know, that 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 2002 team season looked like it was going to be so good. And mm. it, just, it just died. It was the most disappointing finish to a season probably in St. History. It was the first season I remember being in a tiebreaker for the playoffs and like not getting or something happening. And I was like, it doesn't make sense because we beat this team and they beat us. And but they ended up not making it. So 2003, the Saints finished 8-8. Eight and eight, And that year is remembered at for the River City Relay. Week 16, the Saints are 7-7. Seven and seven. They need to win their last two games to have a chance to make the playoffs. And they're playing the Jaguars in Jacksonville with seven seconds left in the game. The Jaguars leading the game 20-13. to 13, And the Saints had possession on their own 25. And that's when the River City Relay play. Aaron Brooks passes to Dante Stallworth. Stallworth laterals to Michael Lewis. Lewis laterals to Deuce. Deuce laterals to Jerome Payton. And Payton runs the final 21 yards. Scores a touchdown. And the Saints are now down 20-19. to 19. Improbable play. What are you thinking at, at that point before the kick? I mean, just to me. It's, it's crazy. Well, I mean, I remember I was in my mom's apartment in Baton Rouge, and my brothers were there. I don't know what we were doing, but we had some sort of family get-together, and we were just in shock. I mean, everyone had to be. You, you, were you watching it live? I yes. mean, we just just in shock. And uh, and then when he missed it, it was kind of like um, the Odom. It reminded me of, like, Bobby Bowden, who recently passed away. You. Have you seen any of the highlights where when they used to lo- lose to Miami on the last second field goal, right. and there's one where he's running and he's going to celebrate, and then he stops and goes, "Wait, he missed it? Yeah, like what? Right, he missed it. <laughs> it was oh, I, and I've said before, it's statistically the most unlikely back-to-back plays in the history of sport." Right. Because making a field goal at that distance, now it's a little different, but at that distance was 98, 99% in the NFL. 97, 98, 99%, somewhere. Right and then the the odds of of hitting one of these lateral jo- jobs is what? 1%? Right. I mean, right. I mean, it's just like statistically back-to-back, the two most unlikely back-to-back plays in the history of sports. And Corny was pretty good. Kicking. It just can't happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was just... Earlier in the season, Hazlitt had told the media that he trusted Carney so much that he'd even stake his life on him at a kick. He got reminded that day about what he said, and Hazlitt said, I guess I'd probably be dead right now. <laughs> Carney pushed the extra point right. The Saints lost 20-19. to The playoff chances were over. Ended up not mattering because I think the Cowboys won later or the Seahawks won later or whatever team needed to win later, and it wouldn't have mattered. But still, we were in the playoff hunt when that happened. Just unbelievable, and it just goes in, you know, Saints lore. Sure. You know, why we do stuff like this. And, and uh, So, I mean, even in those eras, were very frustrating. They had great victories in the Hazard era. If I went, and I haven't done it in a while, but if I went and tried to list my 10 favorite regular season wins ever, well, probably about at least three of them would be in that era. And some of the most, and the cell phone game, one of the most famous ones. Mm-hmm. Insane history. So, 
I mean, they, they, they had great wins against those really good Ram teams. You know, they beat the Buccaneers, like you said, swept them the year they went to the Super Bowl. And, and that great win against the Cheaters in the 2031-27 is probably either in my top three or four all-time Saints wins. So uh, in regular season, not counting playoffs, right, different right. animal. But, but no, it, he had some great wins, but just some awful moments too. You talked about 2004 already, but let's kind of talk about it here. The Saints finished 500 at 8-8, eight and eight, but they started the season 4-8 and eight before winning four in a row to end of the year. What do you remember about going through that 4-8 and eight start? Were they just not clicking on all cylinders and it clicked at the end, or what was going on there? Well, I just think they were couldn't get out of their own way a lot of the time in a lot of those um, games. And I just remember being, thinking that they were going to give up because, like you said, it was starting. You could kind of tell Hazard was not going to be the coach for that much longer. Mm-hmm. It just it had that feel to it, and so I'm really shocked that they came back. You know, especially I was shocked then and shocked now because you really thought that oh it's, it's over. They're, they're going to tank it. And again, they beat a Falcons team pretty good by 13 points. That that was 11 and three when they beat them. So you know they were pretty good. And, yeah. And the Falcons in that era kind of had their number. Now when Genius got here, he changed all that, but. In that era, like you, I'm sure you remember Michael Vick. They could never stop, him. right? Like so, I like I always laugh when people just hammered Michael Vick. Oh, he can't do this, can't do that. Yeah, he had some limitations, but he sure did it all against the Saints. I mean, it was unbelievable. So they're riding high off a four game winning streak to to uh, end the 2004 season. The 2005 season uh, starts, and is there? Excitement? Or are you thinking they're gonna kind of ride the wave of the four game win streak to end 04? You mean like before Katrina? I yeah, think before it was, Katrina. I think people were pretty still pretty excited. They were not at the level that they were in you know his first three years, but I think people thought they could still you know be about a five hundred team. Uh, and then you know Katrina hit. Let's start with the two thousand five NFL draft. Maybe. And I don't know, we'd have to really rank them, but possibly the worst draft in Saints history. They don't have any players aside from the first-round pick, Jamal Brown, who, who went I to Oklahoma. Not, was not a big fan of. And Josh Bullocks, the second-round pick. Who was okay. He was okay. But other than that, none of the other guys, I think, even played for him. That's, that's one of the who, worst. Who else was it? Was that the Wake Forest defensive player draft or what, what draft? First-round, Jamal Brown. And then they had Alfred Fincher oh. from Connecticut. You remember – that was it right in that era where they started playing these Thursday night college football games and UConn was playing on and I remember people who were who were just so football hungry, they'd watch these games like and and talk about UConn, Alfred Finch. <laughs> Awful. Chase Lyman was a wide receiver from Cal. And the fifth round they drafted Adrian McPherson, quarterback from Florida State, who you know, we're kind of excited a little bit about thinking maybe, you know, but it ended up not working out. Jason Jefferson, defensive tackle from Wisconsin, and Jimmy Verdon, a defensive tackle from Arizona State. So that's the that's oh. the picks. I mean, it's it, and I don't know. I'm not an extensive knowledge of the drafts, but man, that's a really bad one. It's a really bad one, and, but at least your first round pick played on the team, and I wasn't as high on him as most people, but he was still at least a serviceable player. No notable free agent ads in 2005. And we get to the preseason. The Saints played the first, the two preseason home games in the Superdome in 2005. They lost them both, and they have to now relocate to Katrina because the hurricane hits the region. So let's talk about the hurricane. 
not not how it affected the Saints, but just the hurricane in general. Like, what do you recall from that time? You were here in Lafayette, I assume, but what do you recall about the, the hurricane hitting and getting ready for it and the things that we do to get ready for, well, for storms? it seemed like had a couple where everybody gets ready for a storm and then it didn't happen in the previous few years. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think we had kind of got, it, it, you know, I remember thinking the whole cry wolf thing, you know, that and that's scary. Right. And I think now fewer people, because of Katrina, Definitely. get get trapped or try to warn themselves in that. And I think we had some, well, scare, 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 it's going to, world's ending, and then it didn't end. And then, then we get kind of, it obviously was way worse than any of us thought it right. was ever going to be. New Orleans definitely took the worst of it after the levees broke. The entire city flooded, and the Superdome, the Saints' home, was turned into a shelter of last resort. And this, of course, left the Saints without a home field. So now we start talking about where the Saints going to play their home games and, um, and and potentially the team moving to San Antonio. That was a very, a very popular topic among the time. Tom Benson was talking about moving even before Katrina had happened. So what do you recall about potentially moving? Well, again, I, we, we joke about glass half full, glass half empty and all that. I just... It's just I never believed it. I remember being on the air and people and people say, "Oh, this is going to happen," and I'm like, "I just don't believe." It. I just I will not entertain that. Right. I mean, I, I just did not entertain it. Now, obviously, just about anything is possible. When right? You say, is this possible? Yeah. I mean, just about anything is theoretically possible, but I didn't believe it. I just I never even. I mean, I'm not. I can't say I never worried about it for a second, but I was just like, no, that's not happening, and I just refuse to believe that it could happen. And and as the story goes, most people give Tagliabue credit for mm-hmm. saying, look, we just can't do this. But I just, I mean, you just, you know, you can't spit on a grave, and right. I, I just, I just never really believed that was going to happen. Well, the chatter at the time was that Benson and, and then Governor Kathleen Blanco couldn't really come to an agreement on a stadium issue. Benson wanted a new stadium in 2001, but they couldn't come to an agreement there. So then they negotiated uh, better concessions, uh, renovations to suites and the facilities like that that Blanco agreed to. In 2005, it was time to renegotiate, and Benson called a halt to the negotiations. He didn't want to negotiate at all, and that would free him up to move the team if he chose before Katrina and Benson owned property in San Antonio. So that was his preferred destination for the team. He was also receiving offers from Los Angeles and Albuquerque billionaires in those spots to sell or move the saints. And at the time, I know you're saying your glass half empty. I'm more glass half full. I'm thinking doom and gloom. It's gone, but you still at even all through all this chatter and everything. I, no, you heard. I'm telling you, I remember arguing on the air with people and I just never bought, I never bought. I just never believed that would happen. The Saints temporarily relocate to San Antonio. The front office, team headquarters, practice facility all relocated to San Antonio. The Saints played their week one game at Carolina and beat the Panthers 23-20. to So all this is going on. The the, the city is, is destroyed. The team is displaced, and they were able to go to Carolina and Carolina win that first game. Carolina win, and uh, John Corney kicked a 47-yard field goal with three seconds to go. The Saints were on the front of sports illustrated the next week i think it said saints alive yeah and again at that point you're like you know they might be able to kind of sort of hang in there maybe and it just it just didn't materialize that way um uh, the next week they they played the giants they got handled pretty good uh the giants were real good defensively in that era then they got beat by the vikings so they almost seemed to be then they came home and, and played a game in san antonio and beat the bills so they were two and two. 
you know, not all that bad. Right, right. And then they went to Green Bay. We talked about this before. That was the same day the Astros beat the Braves in that, what, 19-inning game, whatever mm-hmm. it was, when Chris Burke hit the home run to go. And, and the Saints were at Green Bay. Deuce blows out his knee out for the year. And from then on, the, the offense went from so-so to terrible. And uh, it was, uh, you know, the beginning of – now, that Deuce came back and played. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of the beginning of the end of his career for Deuce. And obviously that was a – they got beat 52-3 to that day. That was, was brutal. Let's quickly go back to that Week 2 game against the Giants. Uh, San Antonio's Alamo Dome at the time was being used to shelter many of the evacuees that had fled from New Orleans to San Antonio. The league announced that the Saints would play its week two home game against the Giants at Giant Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, known as the Meadowlands, essentially giving the Giants an extra home game. The Saints were not happy about this, obviously. Even the rest of the league wasn't happy about it, especially the NFC East and Cowboys and Bill Parcells. They were very vocal about not giving the Giants an extra home game. What were your thoughts about playing well, the game there? I was still bitter because you mentioned earlier the 9-11 game. Of course, of all teams that had to play the Giants after 9-11, it was the Saints. Right. And I don't know if you remember Terry McCauley, who who's originally has roots in Baton Rouge, um, was the... Was the officiate was that White hat in that game, and I don't remember the I don't remember it, but they must have called like eighteen penalties or something crazy, like on the Saints. Just the Saints. I mean, I just remember being furious, and it was just like you know they're getting all the calls and the sympathy and all that stuff. And then after going through that, now that Katrina, I got to go back to Giant Stadium. No, I was, I remember being I, I was with the rest of them, very 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 bitter about that. Yeah, it seemed like they could have played that game anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the logistics of playing it in Giant Stadium was the same as playing it anywhere that was open. And so they essentially gave the Giants a, a, a extra home game. Jim Hazard said he's looking up at the scoreboard as saying, go Giants, go, and things like that. It's like, this is not our home game. I think the referee asked the Saints if they wanted to kick or receive during the Contars because they were thinking they were at a road game. So just a, a weird event. This, uh, the Saints end up losing that game to the Giants 27-10. to 10. They go on to play the Vikings and, and lose that game as well before winning their only game that they won that year in the Alamo Dome, a 19-7 win against the Bills. The rest of their home games were played in two different locations. Half the games were played in the Alamo Dome, and three of the games were played at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. During the games at Tiger Stadium, the Saints went 0-3, and Benson said he felt threatened by fans as he was still in active discussions to relocate the team. You have some... Thoughts about those games at Tiger Stadium? What do you personally remember about those games in Tiger Stadium? I didn't actually go to them. Okay. I just know that there were fans and talked to them on the air who went there and pulled for the other team. You know, I mean, a lot of fans did that because Jake was big then. Yeah. You know, that they and they were real good then. I mean, uh, the, the, the Arnolds went 11-5 and five that year, which, again, goes back to it was amazing that they went and beat them in that, in that season opener. Um, but no, it was it was bitter, and you know there weren't that many fans there in those games in Baton Rouge. The, the attendance, as I remember, was not very good. Right, and fifteen thousand. The Saints were not real good, right. and um, you know it was just a lot of bitterness. Now, the amazing thing, you know, what's the most amazing thing from a football perspective is the week after. I mean, you're talking about Katrina year. They're demoralized. They had all the bitterness against the Giants. Then. Um, they go to Green Bay and get beat fifty-two to three and lose their best, probably their best player, one of their best players, due to to a season-ending knee injury. 
The next week, they played the Falcons to a 34-31 game, and the Falcons, uh, the Saints uh, took the lead or tied the game on a deuce touchdown with 46 seconds, and then they never could stop Michael Vick. Like, he would just go right down the field. They went and kicked a 36-yard field goal in the last play of the game, but that's a gutsy performance to play a pretty good Falcon team and and, uh, and lose by three the week after essentially looked like your season was over. Do you remember who the running backs were in that time for the, that year for the Saints? Antoine Smith, oh, wow. who was formerly pretty good with and uh, and Aaron Stecker, who had some moments. Aaron Stecker went to the same school as Romo and Sean Payton and Eastern Illinois, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and them. So yeah. Uh, they, they were kind of the running backs in that era. But, but again, you know, they played a Bears team close. They played the Patriots. At, they went to New England and lost 24-17, you know, after the Deuce injury and when they were kind of a miserable start. So they got a, you know, Green Bay crushed them. And the Falcons in the rematch beat them 36-17. But even in that game, the Saints were down only 21-17 at the half. So they played gutsy for a for a situation where they were, you know, vagabonds. They had a coach who was on his way out. They lost their best player to a knee injury early in the year. And you had all this bitters, like, going on with Benson and all that. It might be moving. Man, if there was ever a time to just tank it, it was then. And I'm sure some players did. But overall, I thought they played pretty gutsy that year, considering how awful circumstances they were. Benson was getting a lot of flack at this time. He was having backdoor meetings and backroom meetings with San Antonio officials. He was legitimately trying to move the team, or at least it seemed that way. In October of 2005, in the middle of the Katrina season, less than two months after Katrina had made landfall in New Orleans, Chris Mortensen from ESPN, a pretty reputable source, said the Saints had played their final game in New Orleans. According to Mortensen, San Antonio would be the likely home for 2006, and after 2006, the Saints would be moving to Los Angeles, uh, the preferred destination beyond that. Mortensen said the NFL could still include New Orleans as a Super Bowl site when the city is reconstructed, and they may even get an expansion team in like 10 to 15 years. Do you remember this report from Chris Mortensen and ESPN? Oh, yeah, again, I, yes. There was a lot of despair. And again, I just kept saying it just it just can't be. I mean, it just it just can't be. It, you know, it. Many people say, and there's been many articles written about it, that if it wasn't for Tiger Blue, it was gonna happen, and I'd have been wrong. But I just kept saying it just can't be. I just think about how awful that would have been. Oh, it would have been awful. Can you imagine that the you know all the great years, the whole Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, none mm. of that would have happened. No. I don't think I could have pulled for him. Oh no! It, it bring I got chills thinking about like that not happening. It's I mean it's just you know especially if they had moved to L.A. San Antonio. I always I've talked to people have asked me that question since then. I think if they'd have moved to San Antonio, I could have pulled. I would have still pulled for him. Yeah, it would have been weird, right? But I'd have pulled for him. But L.A. I don't think I could have. But this is not a blog or somebody tweeting some rumor. Oh, this no. is Chris Morrison. Chris Morrison. No, I know I. <laughs> No, I think all the backroom stuff you're talking about happened. I think all of that is real. I, I just, and again, all of that just goes right to that unbelievable feeling when they 
when they played the Katrina game, you know, in 06. The rebirth. Yeah, it was it was it was unbelievable. When the following months after the Chris Mortensen report, multiple groups of investors popped up ready to buy the team and keep it in New Orleans. Benson refused to sell to any of them, intending at the time to pass ownership down to his granddaughter, Rita Benson LeBlanc, who was soon after named owner executive vice president of the Saints. Benson, Blanco, and NFL Commissioner Paul Tagliabue met several times as they worked to keep the Saints in New Orleans. Tagliabue helped with the cost of the Superdome's pricey renovations, leading the charge to get the league to donate $15 million to the cause. On January 11, 2006, Tagliabue announced that the Saints would play the entire 2006 season in New Orleans. At that press conference, Benson said he was committed to New Orleans as long as New Orleans was committed to him. It was never about fans going to games and fan support. It was about business support in New Orleans for the Saints. Now that we're past that and we're 15 years past it, has that improved at all? I mean, the, the dome's oh, packed. Yeah, I think so. No, I, I think it's it. Well, after that, you know, making it to the championship game, and then especially after winning the Super Bowl, it, you know, all of that changed. And so, yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's been any issue since then. The amazing thing about that is like how much bitterness and all the things that happened with Rita. With Rita, I mean, it just got. So ugly yeah. after the Super Bowl, and that went south. But you know, I I, I had no idea with Gail how that was going to work out. But I think it's worked out very well since all of that happened, and Definitely. she's kind of in charge. Um, if you remember, the Pelicans had moved to uh, the Pelicans were the Hornets at the time. They had moved to Oklahoma City, and I guess Benson kind of you know purchased them and brought kept them back. So Benson's been really or was before he passed away. Uh, really instrumental in keeping both of those teams in New Orleans. Let's get back to the Saints in the 05 season. Um, they finished the season on a five-game losing streak. The only win that they had after the bye was a Week 12 game at the Giants Stadium again, playing the New York Jets. They won 21-19, so they had that crazy home game uh, against the Giants and lose it in Week 2. They come back to the same stadium and beat the Jets um, twenty-one, nineteen, but they finished three and thirteen. You no, know, the last game of the year, and I've I've used this as a story before in terms of being a fan. They, their last game that year, they played at the Bucks, and the Buccaneers finished eleven and five that year. Um, that was one of the few good years they had. From you know, after they won the Super Bowl, they kind of started to struggle after that. But they were an eleven, you know, an eleven, and well, they were a ten and five team at the time. The Saints are down twenty to thirteen. And they, I remember the Buccaneers were deep in their territory. I was at a friend's house in central Louisiana watching the game. And they fumbled the ball, Tampa did. And the two Saints jumped on top of it and should have recovered it. Like, I don't remember, like 20, 25-yard line. So down seven, still a very winnable game. And, and of course, they didn't come up with it. Tampa got the ball. And, um, and ironically, with about a minute – and on 47 seconds to go in the game, the Saints turned it over. Tampa picked it up, ran it in for a touchdown, and won the game by 14 points. But again, that just shows you, even in the last game of the year, had they just recovered that fumble, they'd have had a chance to tie the game late, and who knows what would have happened. So again, as bad of a year it was, I don't know who made that happen, but it could have gotten a lot worse. I mean, it, they really competed until the end when really there was a lot of reason not to. I guess that was, that was going to be my question was, does Hazard get not enough credit for, I mean, it finished 3-13. It's not not good. 
But, I mean, he, he might be get credit for the entire three wins. Like, he kept the team together. And there's a lot of bitterness, not only from fans, but the players that were on the team, too. They, they feel Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, again, I'd have to go back and look at the roster and see exactly who, who led that. But whether it's Hazlitt or whoever, somebody deserves some credit, yes. Because it, it, they competed, and they didn't win, and they weren't good. I mean, again, once Deuce went down, their offense was terrible. Those last three or four games, they were playing with Todd Bauman as their quarterback. And we already, you know, you know, everybody hates Aaron Brooks, but, you know, they, they just weren't very talented. Their wide receiving core was not good. And, you know, at the end, Todd Bauman was quarterbacking, and he was not good. Right. And without Deuce, the offense was terrible. It just it is, was what it was. Right before that, Remember, they lost their offensive coordinator because um, Mike McCarthy went to Green Bay. Right. And so they had Mike Shepard as their offensive coordinator, and he wasn't all that experienced. It, it was, they were not good, but it was, they hung in there. So, I, you know, you appreciate, if you're a fan of a team, especially when they went through what they went through, if you don't feel like they're quitting, I mean, you know, you got to appreciate that. I, and, it, you know, it'd be hard to say that, that they quit because they, they competed. You know, the second to last game of the year, the Lions beat them on a field goal on the last play of the game. It just seems like, you know, they could have got a few more breaks that year. They just never did. Aaron Brooks finished that season with 13 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. It's the only season that he played for the Saints where he had more interceptions than touchdowns. There's this notion that Aaron Brooks was, you know, always throwing a lot of interceptions and smiling on the sidelines after he did it. But the 2005 season, a Katrina season where he was displaced and he was more one of the more vocal and disgruntled players about uh, how the NFL treated him. It's the only season that he ever finished um, with more interceptions than he did. Uh, touchdowns he ended up uh, being released after that season he goes to Oakland for one more year didn't have much success and he was out of the no. league Hazlitt gets fired and it, it allows us to usher in the Drew Brees Sean Payton era so it, it if you look back on it you you see that the the end of the Hazlitt era is is the Katrina year they align with each other but do you think uh, without Katrina and all that stuff, it, it, would the Saints have been able to have a little bit better? Of well, a I mean, I, they might have won a few more games, but I still think they'd have had a losing season. And I still think Hazlitt probably would have been gone. So I don't, I mean, I guess you don't know any of that for sure. But I mean, if I'd have guessed, you know, could they have gotten to those seven wins? I don't know. I, I would guess they probably would have been a five or six win team, maybe seven. I still think probably would have had a losing season. Now, if Deuce doesn't get hurt, I mean, if you replay the season and Deuce doesn't get hurt, what was that, week five at Green Bay, then maybe it's different. But without Deuce and not, you know, having to depend on, like we said, Smith and Stecker, I, I, don't, I don't think they'd have had a winning season. I remember a lot of debate about the Superdome being made a priority as far as renovating and putting money into it and a lot of people being upset about that, thinking that it needed to go elsewhere. I was of the opinion, not just because of the Saints, but because of the revenue that the Superdome could bring to the area, that it, it needed to be a priority. Is that how you felt the same well, way? Oh, absolutely. Or? I remember being on the air talking about Superdome Art Museum, right. you know, Superdome Opera, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and, and all those things are fine, not for me or you maybe, but but look at what... Everything that happened between 2006 and really today, but mm. say 2006 through 2013 or 2011, I guess. Look at what that did for the city. I mean, I just think it, it's just you cannot put a you cannot the Super Bowl 
the you know the 06 season and the rebirth and the Superdome and all, and then winning the Super Bowl. I, I mean, how do you put a price tag on what that did for the whole area and the community and the region? It's just awesome. Tom Benson has a statue outside of the Superdome. I have mixed feelings about the statue. How do you feel about the Tom Benson statue and what he meant to the team and the city and, and, and the Saints? I understand why people could be that bitter. I can't really argue with being bitter about it. All I know, though, is since Tom Benson took over in 85, because they were talking about that back then, For too, sure. in yeah. the 80s. So since he took over in 85... If you take away the three Ditka years and the Katrina year, the Saints have been pretty good since 1985. I mean, they had a few losing seasons here and there, but they've been very good. Had a lot of winning seasons. You know, once playoff games in this era. So when you look at what he's done and, and what the franchise was before he took it over, which was zero winning seasons, his awful reputation, uh, now, we're going to talk in some future episodes. I'm not a big Jim Finks fan like a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I, I really am very bitter to this day about what Jim Finks did to destroy that, that first Jim Moore era. But when you look at the people he hired, the, 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 the success that they've had, there's no, I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I guarantee, I, 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 guarantee I got to believe that the Saints are in the upper half of the league and win since Benson took over since 1985. Maybe even top 10. Yeah. Like, won a lot of games right. in his era. So, no, I, I understand all the bitterness, but you also, I mean, it's kind of like it was an awful thing he was going to do. Awful. But I don't know that you can say it totally blocks out all the good that he did for Saints fans since 1985. That's all I got on the Katrina season. Anything else you want to add to it? It's just, uh, like I said, it just gives us this big asterisk and it put everything in perspective and look at all the success we've had since then. It's, it's unbelievable because it really could have been the death nail. Right. I mean, even if they don't move it, even if they stay, you would think if Breeze doesn't come in and Sean Payton is not the – if they had made a bad hire right there, hired whoever, I mean, and it was just a donkey coach – and they would have been three and thirteen again. I mean, I don't really, I don't know. It would have been tough. It would, I don't know about death nail, literally, but you know, they might have gone spiral out of control into being a really bad franchise again. But it's been really good since then. Yeah.